The U.S. Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov career usbp. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, Flypaniacs. It's over. It's finally over. We can finally bury our 2021 Philadelphia Flyers. There is no more chance of a possible playoff scenario. There is not 0.2% percent chance or anything it is done they are officially eliminated from playoff contention and they really did it in just uh, maybe the most telling way of the season back-to-back losses to the new jersey devils the new jersey devils who were just absolute shit and the flyers lost back-to-back games to them joining me in misery tonight is broad street hockey zone brad keffer brad how are you doing tonight my friend thanks for having me yeah uh Telling is the word. The Devils, what came into the the previous game, not scoring first in like eight or so games and do it twice. And players just don't have uh, any life left. And I don't think we do either. No, definitely not. Like, I, I feel like I've been running on fumes with the podcast for weeks now, just as far as trying to muster any positivity to talk about this team. It's just it's it's impossible at this point. Yeah, I, the Phantoms are keeping me going because if I didn't have them playing well, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know, at least somebody in the organization's playing well. I mean, it's just very depressing at the NHL level. And what, what's going right with the Phantoms right now? What's How are the Phantoms looking right now? Because I, I don't think a lot of the people who pay attention to the Flyers pay, pay enough attention to the Phantoms, especially since they haven't been in Philadelphia. Yeah, they're, they're having a... Uh... They have a surprisingly good record after the last two disappointing seasons. And, uh, you know, just, again, the more surprises, like it was Zade Wisdom and Tyson Forster, who shouldn't even be in the league, you know, playing really well has been a shock. And then, uh, I mean, the Vets have all taken like a, a bounce back year, which, you know, Philadelphia, hello, let's, it's your turn next year. <laughs> yeah, and Wisdom and Forrester, that's that's so cool. Like, that's such a great story. I mean, number one, Wisdom has such a great story to start with, but just to see both those guys get a professional opportunity when nobody thought they were going to get it this soon and to see them doing well is just, it's something to to warm my cold, dead, orange and black heart. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a really impressive start for both of them. Now, at this point for those guys, you know, obviously it's it's early to tell. They're both very young, but considering this early pro experience uh, spitballing how far away do you think we could be from seeing them in a flyers uniform with wisdom i think more than anything it matters i think more than anything what matters is what kind of role they see him in 
Like, are they going to be com comfortable throwing a 20-year-old or even 19-year-old in on the fourth line as like a, you know, four-checker, you know, just like a simple game? Because if they feel comfortable putting a rookie in that spot at 19-20, like, I don't know, maybe much quicker than anybody anticipated. Uh, Forrester will probably be a little bit longer, though, but I think Wisdom potentially could fight for a spot even next season. Wow, that's really impressive, and I think sooner than any of us thought by far. And, I mean, Forrester, he seemed like such a talented, like, upside kind of project in a way because of the skating issues, uh, whereas, you know, Wisdom seems more ready for his projected, like, ceiling at the NHL. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Forrester definitely has a higher ceiling than Wisdom, but Wisdom is more ready, just as you said. Um, Forrester will definitely push, too, but there's, unless the Flyers make a bunch of trades, which, I mean, it's very possible, the forwards, there's just not, there's just no space in the top nine for Tyson to really, you know, make it. And those trades are possible. I know everybody out there... Not everybody, but there's a good vocal chunk of the fan base that has been vocal to change things up and, and get guys out of there. I don't think you're going to see much change in the offseason. You might see a big name or two, but I don't think you're going to see much beyond that. I totally agree. Um, I think they're going to, rightfully or not, really lean on this year was extremely weird everything went wrong and it's just snowballed and continued to get worse and worse and worse. I don't think they're going to run it fully back, but I do think they're going to lean on, you know, COVID and the, they're, they're, uh, they have their own outbreak. And I think it's going to be a lot of, you know, that kind of vibe, but if next season starts poorly, you know, even more and more moves get made. Yeah. It's really, you do have to give them some benefit of the doubt. I know that's difficult for people to hear, to give them a benefit of the doubt for a season like this. Cause the expectations were high and justifiably. So after how they looked last year, but I mean, it's a pretty, a pandemic is a pretty damn good reason to give somebody a mulligan. Yeah. If, if there was ever a time to be like, okay, you can have like one season to, to write yourself, like specifically thinking about Phil Myers right now, like he's the type of player that you're like, okay, you've shown NHL level before, you know, you have all the tools is this just a very bad situation to, you know, live in and uh, you hope he bounces back? God, I hope. <laughs> I mean, it, it, just looking even at the sample size of the past few games, uh, I think it was one of the many, many goals from the Devils game the other night. What a goddamn shit show that was uh, where Myers just got blown away. But then I think, did he score in that game or have a key assist? It's hard to tell anymore. All these games are running together. Yeah. I think that was the last game. His, his point shot kind of went through a couple bodies, but he even got burned tonight. Like this is consistently happening to him. He's been uh, quite the letdown this season. Oh yeah. He was one of my top expectation guys. Like I thought, okay, we're, unsure about our top pairing guy because of the whole Niskanen situation but the second pairing is your rock solid Sandheim and Myers they were so good in the playoffs they can they'll be great they'll be great and then Myers just has I think outside of Carter Hart Myers has probably had the most disappointed season obviously Carter Hart it's we've we've beaten that to death though we've talked about Carter Hart to death the kid obviously needs a hard reset. You know, Myers is, I think, a more interesting conundrum because he's a guy who doesn't have the expectations of a Carter Hart. He's a guy who 
came in as a he was an undrafted free agent so he's he's it's a little more interesting with him especially going into expansion draft and everything yeah he you know like, like you said he doesn't have like you need to be the savior type vibe like we came into the season like okay is it, it can uh, can justin braun or shane goss's bear handle first pair duties that was the only question we knew we had a bunch of third pair guys we knew Sanham and Myers were locked in as a solid middle pair, and then they weren't. And a lot of that has to do with Myers' regression this season. And yeah, I, yeah, I don't know where you go from here. You you have to either have hope that he does, or if you think this is the true Myers, you have to trade him high, like before other teams see him as like Ristolainen. Right. If you think this is the true Myers, just sell, 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 baby, get him out of here. I don't think this is the true Myers. I think, you know, he's one of those guys I, I'm willing to give a mulligan. But the question is, is he worthy of a protection spot in the expansion draft with that thinking? I mean, I go back and forth on that. At the yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I don't think this is the real Myers either. And the only other expansion spot on defense that should even be considered at this point is Gosses Bear, and considering that they waived him last month and no team took him, I don't think you use a protection slot on him. You you just you just roll with Proverov, Sandheim, and Myers. Right. I mean, Chuck Fletcher has basically just rolled Gosses Bear out into the street with like a placard on saying, "Anybody want? Anybody? Any takers?" And silence. Not not a single team. Just ex. Exactly. Not a single team, which sucks. I love Shane Goss and want him to do as well as possible, but that's just kind of where we are with him right now. I mean, the Myers thing sucks. The And I think they were hoping that Eric Gustafson could at least be borderline third pair defense. And I, I will never get over how stunningly bad that man was on defense. Just he made me think Andrew McDonald looked good in comparison. Not good, but, you know, at least like an NHL defenseman <laughs> like Gustafson. I, I just, it just kind of stood there. It, it was astonishingly poor play from Gustafson. Like the whole time, like we, the first game of the season, he had two power play assists and we're like, okay, this worked. And then it never worked again. Right. It never worked again. It, it was like, you can do this one thing. No. Okay. Can't do that. He's going to be in and out of the lineup and then traded for a bag of pucks. <sighs> what a season yeah. this has been. So, you know, obviously we talked about the defensive failings and the issues with Carter Hart. I don't really, I don't know how much I want to get into those because, again, we, we have discussed this plenty. I really just think he needs to regroup and come back strong next season. But what, where do you place the blame right now, you know, besides COVID and the issues we've mentioned? Are there any other issues you've really, like, placed the blame with for this season because we're looking at games where they're getting dominated by the New Jersey Devils who are just a hair better than the Buffalo Sabres. And this is not, I don't think this is anywhere near what this team actually should be. The wheels have just fallen off the cart completely. How did we get to this point is where I keep coming back to. It's, it's mind boggling how we got to this point. Um, You know, the, the, the blame really goes around to everybody in the organization you know, starting with, you know, Fletcher for not replacing Matt Niskanen. Then you go to the coaches who have done a terrible job this season from my perspective. And then the individual individual players themselves, especially the young guys, have just all gotten worse. They got to know her. And Farabee got, well, Farabee is the exception there in that he was, 
he's definitely taken a step forward this season, even though his play has kind of you know fallen off recently. But um, the the one point that gets brought up a lot on Flyers Twitter that kind of confuses me, well, not confuses me, but just makes me um, wonder how you go about fixing this, is if you believe the problem is the core of this team. You're talking Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, and Voracek. If you think that's the problem, they're the only players playing well right now. Like, removing them, you're left with a bunch of underperforming players. That's it. And Just a shell of a yeah, team. Yeah, and... I know the answer is, well, you move or check, you bring it, you bring in someone else with the money. And I get it. I think that would be, that's probably their best bet in, in the off season. But it just, how does anybody blame Claude Giroux on this? That's just insanity to me. Or Sean Couturier. Oh, I don't think anybody's blaming Couturier, but plenty of people blame Claude Giroux. And I, I've been fighting the good fight for Claude Giroux for years now. And I, I cannot fathom this criticism of him. Like people act like leadership is simply somehow mythically making bad players play well. It's, it doesn't work like that, guys. You can't just give everybody a, I don't know, a rallying cry every game to convince guys who are not that good to play better. It just doesn't work like that, and people act like it does magically work like that. Yeah, I mean, what, he couldn't get Andrew McDonald and Brandon Manning to the playoffs? What? <laughs> what? He couldn't keep Michael Neuverth healthy for two straight what? games. <laughs> like, like he he couldn't boost the bottom six just clusterfuck of the Dave Haxtell <laughs> years into playing semblance of NHL hockey. Nope, bad leader. I mean, we're celebrating Claude Giroux this week for good reason, uh, because he is one of the great flyers. He just passed Brian Prop, Brian friggin' Prop, the top three right now. Is Bobby Clark, Bill Barber, and Claude Giroux in points. That's remarkable. We are seeing a guy who is just a an outstanding flyer, an all-time flyer. He is not a guy we should be chiding and dragging in the street for this. Like, okay, I get a lot of the criticisms of Voracek, right? Because Voracek does have that inconsistency. He's got times where he kind of just looks like he does not give a shit. And when he turns it on, he's fantastic. But, you know, he has some big-time lulls between that. But... I mean, Giroud does everything. He does everything out there. Yeah, I mean, power play, penalty kill. You know, without him, can you imagine if these units got even worse? Because that's what we'd be looking at with a, you know, post-Giroud future. My God. I remember at one point they showed at the bottom of the screen, and I'm sure they showed this many times, but there was one time really, really struck me where it showed where the Flyers' penalty kill was and the Devils' power play was. And I think it was like 30th and 29th, respectively. I, I, what am I even doing watching this game? What what is going on here? Yeah, I think I think the Devils came into the the, the previous game, not tonight, not not uh not Thursday night, but the night before the the game before, with like an eleven percent power play, and then they scored like three out of four <laughs> power play opportunities. Like it was nothing. Yeah. Like it was nothing. This they've collapsed, they've crumbled. I don't know how we're going to make it through these remaining games, and there's not that many of them, but it feels like so many more. One more, uh, two more devil game too. Oh my god, yeah. So right now we're looking at we got to play the Devils again on Saturday night. Please find anything else to do with your Saturday <laughs> night, folks. This is not the best course of action. Back to back Penguins games next week. Ugh. Back-to-back Capitals games. 
and then the devils again. This is just, this is a nightmare scenario. They might let up 45 goals for the rest because Carter Hart is officially out for the rest of the season. Brian Elliott looks cooked. I mean, poor Moose. Moose has done everything he can for this franchise. And he just looks like that last game. He looked like he just couldn't wait to just crawl into bed and say, see ya to this season. Same. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this. Right. I'm right there with him. And like Lion is just. Lion's not an NHL goaltender. That's the long no. and short of it. And their other option is Sandstrom, who's been worse than Lion at the AHL level. So like we're in for a treat. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like just some of those goals, like the the past two games. I mean, you could say goals from the entire season, but I don't know why these last two games, every goal has just been a disaster. Uh, geez. And we're almost there. We're almost there. Brad, how do you fix this team? At least start to fix this team. Where, where do, does Chuck Fletcher have to come in and, and just begin to look around at least? I mean, my list Starts at number one. You need a number one defenseman. I don't think Ivan Provorov is the number one guy. I think he can be the number one guy's partner. And that's a big ask to go find, you know, the guy. Dougie Hamilton would be a dream. But uh, that's number one for me. I think one of the assistants, at least one of the assistants, has to go. The special teams have been horrendous. They were horrendous going back to the playoffs. They're just, one of them has to go. Like, this team has so much offensive talent, and I, how do they consistently struggle in the power play? Like, that, come on. Yeah, and the, the changes they make to try to fix it, like, I get it, you're trying to do something, but they don't make any sense. Like, the whole time Giroux was playing the uh, the other side, the, the opposite of the wall, where he was, like, you know, one of the best NHLers, like, in the decade playing the left side on the power play, put him on the right. And then tonight it was Voracek on the point. What? <sighs> <laughs> what was your your third bullet point there i it's just someone one of the forwards i, I assume this this lands on voracek but like you gotta get voracek or jvr like i'm not anti jake voracek i've always really liked jake voracek but i think now it just makes a lot of sense to try to move him because you need that cap space to get the players you need so you need another top nine hopefully top six forward to replace him and that's the, the, the what they need is so much <laughs> what they need is so much like yeah where do you even begin with it well you begin with the defense as you said that's a great point you really need that top liner guy like Voracek or not Voracek uh Provorov at least needs his a partner there somebody to help him along we really saw that with Niskanen opened so many eyes in that regard and yeah, I do think you need the cap space of a Voracek or JVR gone. And I like both those guys a lot, but that's a lot of cap right there. And you just, I, I think you also, you could, you need a little bit of a locker room mix up at this point. I hate to go with a cliche there. I really do. I hate myself for saying it, <laughs> but the, the, the the locker room's been, you know, you got the core guys and yeah, if you can mix it up, like, I don't think you can trade Drew. I just, he's the heart and soul of this team. I don't think you can, but Voracek's a guy, you trade him, you're going to miss his production, sure, but this gives other guys the opportunity to move up in the lineup. It can change culture change or whatever bullshit you want to throw in there. He really seems like the most obvious guy. 
you know, people have been talking about JVR for like two seasons going already. So that also wouldn't be a surprise. And JVR is a guy you might actually get some value for this offseason if you do try to trade him just because he opened up a lot of eyes with the kind of season he's had, which is hilarious because if you look at the Flyers point totals, Voracek's right behind JVR at this point. But the perception is that JVR's had the the stellar season. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it is uh, the narrative around Voracek's season is is a uh, is odd, especially when you consider JVR's. Yeah, it's, I think Voracek actually might be ahead of JVR at this point. On the, on I think the you're points. right, but yeah, but yeah, that narrative is going to follow him. Everybody. Absolutely. I mean, if you're Seattle and you're looking at like if I'm Seattle, I'm looking at. Voracek, JVR, and Ghost, like, I'm taking Ghost. Like, his, his the bounce back he had this year, I'm banking on that on a lesser contract than taking either of those guys. Oh, yeah, same. I think Ghost is a great selection for any team. I I know he wasn't selected off waivers due to the, the cap hit, which, you know, I think a lot is made to make it seem like this absurd cap hit. But it's really not that bad, especially compared to some other guys. I think it's actually pretty good value. The problem is nobody has any wiggle room right now to to really add that many contracts. Yeah, and if the team that gets Ghost actually uses him, you know, in a proper way, doesn't, you know, put him with Nate Prosser to try to bounce back his game and then be like, oh, nope, this still goes poorly, then he'll be worth the four the 4.5 million. But, you know. That Nate Prosser experiment is really a low light in a series full of or a season full of low lights at this point i what an abysmal again one good game and just some of the worst hockey i've seen in a season of bad hockey it was unbelievable i mean from you you waved friedman which again like is it a big loss no (laughs) but then you also decide that he should play over ghost which is just insanity it's insane it's complete insanity. And they waived Friedman in order to put Prosser in the rotation more, which I think actually was some a little bit of BS right there. I think they really just kind of wanted Friedman gone, especially and there's some weird sour relationship there because Friedman just keeps like sniping Philadelphia for reasons. People are like, nobody even asked you. Who cares? Yeah, it's, it's weird. There's, there's an odd tension there. And even in the games that, uh, that Friedman played against the Flyers, it was like, oh, okay, there's this is odd. But, uh, I mean, he's always an aggravating player. So I, I go back on that. Like, There's definitely reason to believe there was some kind of, you know, oddity. But, like, that's just his game, too. He pisses people off constantly. All I know is if this season ends with Jeff Carter and Mark Friedman hoisting the Stanley Cup in Penguins uniforms, I might just give up on hockey. That sounds about fair. Like, it just... Come on, Ron, why would you do this to us? I know why he'd do this to us. I know exactly why <laughs> yeah. Ron Hextall would do any of this to us, but I just, I don't want to see it. I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't, I, I, but I thought that with the Penguins before and they've proven me wrong. You just can't sleep on a damn Sidney Crosby team ever. No. <sighs> and Hext, Hextall winning a cup after joining the Penguins midseason. That would be a, that'd be a fun time on Flyers Twitter. You know, Flyers Twitter has also really just reached an unbearable point which for good reason the team is just unwatchable right now but that would really just kick it into i might delete my account for a while (laughs) reactivate it after like a year just need to go find another hobby for a bit full social media cleanse no more no more just destroy it all (laughs) 
I mean, I was I uh, I was helping Drew out with uh, he was doing a piece on what teams to root for with the Flyers out of it today, and it was hard for me to think of an answer that wasn't just anyone that's not in the East, because that's literally how I feel. I don't give a shit about anybody winning the Cup that is not in the East. Anybody else could win it, be a okay with it. But anybody in the East, ugh. The, like this current East division, or do you mean like the old Eastern Conference? This current, uh, this current okay, East yeah. division. Yeah, I feel you then. Yeah, because I don't care about anybody in the like, you know, the Hurricanes. It, Rob Rindemore, great. Uh, the Panthers, okay, whatever. The Lightning just won it. They're great. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely gonna be rooting for the Leafs with, with Wayne, but uh, mm. that, oh, that's the one I want. Damn you, Wayne! <laughs> I, I was like, no way can I root for the Leafs, and then you just gave me a well, reason. The, the pro is Wayne Leafs. Simmons. The the con is Dave Haxtell. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> what is this world we're living in? I that that is an interesting scenario right there because I think everybody'd be very happy for Wayne. I don't want to lose Toronto being the only fan base more miserable than the Philadelphia Flyers. That's that's a huge loss to the hockey social media world right there. God, it really would be. The content. Got to think about the content here. <laughs> Got to think about the content, NHL. Come on, you can't let professional genius Kyle Dubas sneak in there. And I don't think the Leafs are going to do it, though, because I, I just think that division has been such a joke this year yeah. that they haven't faced any real competition. And as soon as they face real competition, they're just going to fold. But that, that could just be me, you know, talking shit. I don't know. <laughs> I believe it. That division has been a, you know, trash can on fire for the most part. It's terrible. Edmonton, Edmonton's Edmonton. You know exactly what they are. It's Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. That's pretty much it. Winnipeg, Winnipeg's pretty good. I don't know what to make of them. I think Montreal is just a, a sham team, complete sham. And Toronto's good, but I just don't see them beating, I don't know, almost any of the playoff teams from the East. Yeah, I I think I like to think that they would take out the Islanders and that would be some sweet revenge for uh, you know, no beards Lou. But uh yeah, I don't see oh them like taking out the Caps or the the Bruins. What's your okay, as far as teams from the East that you least want to see win it? Like I think the Penguins have to be the tops for me, right? Like I don't want to see the Penguins win it under any scenario. The Islanders I think might be my second of that bunch though because I just hate how that team's designed and how they play hockey so much. I think I'd maybe put the Islanders first only because if the Penguins would win it, it would be terrible, but also tiny bit hilarious. The Islanders, I am totally with you. I just, I don't want to see that hockey team get success. No, I don't want to see it under any circumstance. Like I, when I was writing up the thing for Drew, I said, I I think I'm rooting for the Avalanche, and it might be 90s nostalgia here because I really like those 90s Avalanche teams. But also, I like the way they play hockey, and I like when NHL GMs want to copy exciting teams and not, oh, you know why the Lightning finally won? Patrick Maroon-type players. Right. It's not Pat Maroon, guys. It's not Pat Maroon. <laughs> it's the fact that they don't have to pay income tax to anybody, so they get some of the best most talented players in the nhl and they just have like they're just stacked yeah I, I i'm all in on a uh lightning avalanche final i think that would be awesome to watch and uh whichever team wins that's how you build the game yeah exactly that's how you build the game that kind of final right there yep. and oh, the islanders would be such a backwards just 
disgusting like because everybody would start to double down on these just 90s left-wing lock type systems and just take hockey back to unwatchable territory just in time for the new espn deal they would just get unwatchable oh, that would be, be terrible timing for that because all the analysts who would be coming there would be like the islanders this is how you win oh yeah easily they would be all on board with the islanders no question about it like I, you know, I honestly don't give a shit about the Capitals. Like, I, I don't really, I don't want to see them win it, but it's not the end of the world for me. And I don't want to see the Bruins win it because hasn't Boston won enough over the past two decades? Yeah, I think we've had enough of that. Yeah, for sure. The only funny part about Boston winning would be all the Taylor Hall takes. You know how he can't win and all that stuff. I'm almost here for that. <laughs> I, I'm almost in for a Boston Bruins Stanley Cup championship for that reason, but uh, not quite there. Not quite. Yeah, there. Not, not quite. But if I look at the Central, Carolina, cool. Rod the Bod. Tampa Bay, good team. Florida, good team. Nashville, all right, <laughs> cool. I like the Nashville fan base. Uh, Vegas in the, the West, uh, Vegas is good. Colorado's good. Minnesota, cool, good for them. Uh, St. Louis, they won not offensive to me in any way shape or form yeah i'm i don't i don't love the panthers but i'm I'm, that's probably it for me (laughs) yeah i don't love the panthers but at the same time like they're they're a good team i don't know yeah they're fine (laughs) i don't know if anybody'd show up for their stanley cup (laughs) parade but like i'm sure the joke's been made over and over that there has been no difference between the covid florida panthers crowd and the regular florida florida panthers crowd i'm sure that's been made a hundred times oh surely it's also kind of true. It's also kind of true. Heard it here first. Or not. Yeah. <laughs> or not. Maybe. Who knows? Who's to say? Now, before, though, I had mentioned growing the game, and I mentioned the ESPN deal. So the a key part of the ESPN deal was that it was not known who would carry the remainder of the games. Like, they were talking about having every other Stanley Cup final and such. And a lot of people were wondering if it would be NBC again, if it'd be Fox Sports. Uh, It was announced this week that Turner Sports Networks are going to be carrying the other NHL games. So it's going to be on TNT and TBS and apparently some weird HBO Max component. I'm in for it if they do... What was the the special that they did when the Flyers were in the the Winter Classic? Was it Road to the Winter Classic or something like that? Uh, That sounds right. I don't really fully remember what it was called, yeah. But, like, that was a great behind-the-scenes look. So if they do something like that, I'm all about it. Please bring that back. Yeah, I mean, more hockey documentaries, for sure. Like, just behind-the-scenes stuff. Always ready for that. Yeah. But I I actually really like this TNT, uh, TNT-TBS component to the, the new television deal. Because, I don't know, NBC, it just got same old, same old for the past five, six years. It really has just felt very stale and, and kind of boring. Uh, and now they don't have Doc Emmerich anymore, even. It's just, what are they even doing here? And they seem very lost with it. And I think there's a reason NBC Sports Network is just plain folding after the season. Yeah, uh, you took the words out of my mouth. I was about to say it's very stale. And it's just, yeah, there's a, there's a reason that this isn't working anymore. It's just, and you, you hope that they don't bring over the same people. Like, you hope that they find new talent because I don't want retreads. Oh, yeah, especially those retreads. Like, there's a couple guys that I like that I wouldn't mind seeing uh, mind seeing come over, but for the most part, it's just like, please bring in new talent. 
My specific one I want, we've been talking about this in the Slack, I want Shaq doing the NHL analysis. Not every game. Every now and then. Shaq doesn't know what he's talking about. He comes in. I want to see Shaq on skates. <laughs> Damn it. Give me Shaq on skates. Him next to Chara. This is all I want in my life. I mean, can he play defense with the Flyers? Honestly, at this point, anybody's better than half the guy. Anybody's better than Eric Gustafson. You could literally put a pylon in there and it would be better than Eric Gustafson. You're not wrong. A statue of Barry Ashby is a better defenseman than Eric Gustafson. <laughs> yeah, that, well, I, I, I can't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so for this NHL and TNT and TBS deal as part of the agreement, Turner Sports Networks will televise the NHL Winter Classic, the annual New Year's Day outdoor game in all seven seasons of the deal, televise all games in the Stanley Cup final in 2023, 2025, and 2027, one conference final series each season, and half of the first two rounds of the playoffs, plus 72 regular season games per season. And ESPN ABC will have first pick on conference final and Stanley Cup final. And they'll have the Stanley Cup final all of their years. So uh, it should be interesting to see how they they really divvy this up. But my big thing is, let's make it fun again. One of the things that the NBA on TNT is known for is being fun and having a, a big atmosphere. of, And it grows the game. And... I know it's a little harder to grow the NHL than the NBA per se, but any little bit helps at this point. Yeah, it's all about entertainment. I mean, if they can add that element back to it, it'd be great because that's been missing. I mean, they've tried. I can't say they haven't tried because we watch the Winter Classic and we have you know these guests who show up and none of them have really worked out in my opinion. But if they can add you know something for younger fans, even like if you can get like you know the seven year old watching it at home and do it, and they become a lifetime fan, like. That's like the goal. You got to get your fan base of the future. I always think back to when I went to the outdoor game at Lincoln Financial Field. And who are the musical guests? It was, oh my God. Who's the guy who is, I have to look him up. Who's married to Nicole Kidman. Keith Urban. Keith Urban. Yep. <laughs> Keith Urban. Keith Urban was your first intermission entertainment. And then some band I've never heard of was the other intermission. I'm just like... Okay, what is this? Where did they get any of the stuff from? Who cares about any of this? <laughs> and the the other thing for me is, as a television viewer, I I'm shocked that over the past what is it like fifteen plus years of broadcasting NHL on NBC versus uh, the Outdoor Life Network. Let's never forget there was a period of time where the NHL was shown on the Outdoor Life Network <laughs> between like hunting bears and some shit what a time what a time to be alive but they i felt like they never really innovated anything like espn is always innovating different crazy camera angles i think they were the first ones to have the uh the nfl camera on the on the cable that goes across like right behind the quarterback like i've been really wanting to see hockey from some new angles and do something really interesting with it and nbc didn't do shit with that yeah, I never really thought about that, but it has kind of been all the same for so many years now. And uh, maybe they will try something new. Here's hoping. I, I just I, I need to see the NHL gain some progress in the cultural landscape. I'm so tired of just being one of like five guys at work that I can find that can talk NHL and feeling like a weirdo about <laughs> it. I actually, at my old job, I found a ton of guys to talk hockey with and we had a new guy come on. He's like, why are there so many guys here like hockey? I don't know. I'm happy to find the community to talk about it, but it's like you find anybody who'll talk hockey, you stick to that person like Velcro pretty much. Oh, absolutely. It's 
It's not one of the more popular sports out there, and uh, kind of blows. But um, speaking of the the new uh, TV deal, did you catch the picture of that promo that they used Andrew Ference instead of Connor McDavid? Oh, I missed that. I have to check that out. Yeah. They used Ference instead of Connor they, McDavid. They Googled Edmonton Oilers captain, and Ference is like the third result, and it's the first one with the C on the jersey, and they just used that picture. Oh my God, that is okay. So that's a bad sign. <laughs> Edmonton. Oilers captain. Oh my God. Andrew Ferentz. That's a huge failure right there. Especially, I mean, McDavid's maybe one of, I don't know, a handful of hockey players I could identify without like the helmet. Maybe <laughs> most of them just look like the same generic piece of white bread. Yeah. I and mean, he's, he's definitely recognizable and, uh, Andrew Ferentz, not as much. <laughs> Not so much. Yeah, I could not pick Andrew Ferentz out of a lot. Also has not sure. played in, uh, what, six years, five years? Something like that. I The name sounded vaguely familiar to me, to be totally honest. Like, I was like, I know that's a hockey player, <laughs> but I can't remember who he's played for, what position even. <laughs> yeah. That's a big failure right there. Yeah, who could I, I mean, I could, I could obviously identify quite a few hockey players because I watch this shit all the time, but so many guys look the same. One day in the Slack we were talking and Jason said, I'm not sure I could identify Justin Braun by just looking at a picture of him. Like I wouldn't know it. And I made a quiz for him where I put, I think it was a picture of like Petrangelo and Braun and somebody else. I think it was, who was it? One of the guys on the, the Canadians trying to remember which one it was Toffoli. To Foley. I just picked two guys on fantasy hockey teams of mine and uh, and Justin Braun. And he, you know what? Jason picked out Justin Braun. He picked out the right one. There we but go. It, it took him a minute. It took <laughs> him a minute. Yeah, I mean, they can explore any kind of personality they find. And, you know, like, that's how you make a star in it for your league. Like, you need a face of, the, face of the league that's, like, just entertaining constantly. And McDavid is going to be the closest thing they can get to that right now. And uh, they have to figure out how to market him and bring people in, I think. Right, because McDavid is just astonishing. He is just one of the best hockey talents I've ever seen. He's When I do talk to non-hockey fans about hockey, I say, look up Connor McDavid goals because he's just absurd. There's nobody like him out there. I mean, there's plenty of good goal scorers. Don't get me wrong. Like, Austin Matthews is fantastic. Uh, Crosby still pulls out some good stuff. But, like, Austin, you know... Connor McDavid is the dude. He is just unbelievable. He is the he should be the face of the NHL. But as far as interesting things about him, man, there is not much there. Yeah, that seems to be the problem in trying to market him is that they haven't been able to really do that because of that exact fact. Um you have Crossman versus Ovechkin, right? And or Crosbin. Crosby. <laughs> Crosby versus Ovechkin. I just made one just Flyers killing entity Ugh. right there. Crosbin scores 10 goals against the Flyers every time. But you have Crosby and Ovechkin, and that's been going back a rivalry for a while now in the league. And the thing is, Crosby doesn't have shit for personality either. He is just like, you gotta play the game, Payton's good, you gotta play. But Ovechkin 
you know, Ovechkin's got a great personality for the game. He, he, I might not agree with the guy all the time and all his decisions, but he's interesting and he has fun and he is, he can be kind of a, a badass out there and an asshole. So he does some really interesting things. And Crosby's more like the low key asshole. Like he's kind of, you know, doing a dirty little play you don't see, but it's not, you know, he's just, he's just got a punchable face, but not much beyond that. You know, Ovechkin is the character that you really need to have. He's, he's the mold. Ovechkin, like he, if you told me that he was a Mighty Ducks villain, I think a lot of people would believe you. Absolutely, yeah. Because he's cocky, he's got that swagger to him. But that's that's what you need. I, I would love to see more guys like that. And the NHL's biggest problem with that is they always kind of shout those guys down and say like, "Well, we don't want that. We, you know, it's all about the team, one hundred ten percent, blah blah." It's all these, ugh, yeah, it's it's all uniform, all the same old, same old. It's all uniform. Like right. even going back to the, the Lou Lamarillo thing, like the, the no beard thing, that's just like a perfect example of like no personality is allowed. You have to be, you know, you have to look like everything has to be exactly the same or we just can't win. That's just how the NHL is, baby. Like, man, what Lou Lamarillo did to Kyle Palmieri's beard. What a travesty. Jail. I agree. Lock him up for life. I, what a monster. I didn't know, I actually didn't know that Lou did that Yankee shit until this year, and I hate it. I hate when the Yankees do it, and I hate that he's bringing that to hockey. Especially hockey is such a proud beard sport. To take away a glorious beard like Paul Mary's is just absolute travesty. Yeah, that's for sure. Can you imagine if Jake Voracek got traded to the Islanders <laughs> and they made him shave his glorious beard? Jake Voracek looks terrible without that insane beard. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say even Giroux. Like, we haven't seen Giroux without a beard in years. Like, <laughs> And I don't want to. No. <laughs> I don't want it. Like, every time Cooch shaves, I'm just like, why would you do that, Cooch? It's like seeing your dad shave. <laughs> and it's just... Because my, my dad always had a goatee when I was growing up. That, like, classic 90s dad goatee. And it, my parents were divorced, so I'd see him, like, every Wednesday and every other weekend. And a couple times he'd just show up clean-shaven out of here out of nowhere and i'd be like what did you do what's wrong with you and that's how i feel when my favorite nhl players just randomly shave oh yeah katerie shows up you know clean shaven you're like wait who is that again who's who's starting the, this game at the first line center here i think i recognize him because he's missing half his teeth yeah. so i think that's sean katerie could be i think that's i think that's kevin hayes because he's kind of fallen all over the place and <laughs> putting his butt out there and butting guys out of the corner Oh man, this team, this yeah. friggin' team. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting. Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. 
Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Now, as far as the, the future goes, guys, we can look forward to... Igor Zamula has come up recently and played a couple of games. How do you think Zamula has looked so far? I mean, tonight's game, uh, Zamula was, I thought, their best defenseman tonight, to be honest. Uh, oh, wow. I mean, low bar. <laughs> but, true, true. But he didn't really make any like obvious mistakes, which is, again, the bar we're at right now. And uh, just kind of played a smart game, made, made nice passes. And I don't know. I think he finishes the season like this. You can kind of penciling them in on the third pair next year maybe okay okay well i would be in favor of that and <sighs> that third pair that's just i can't believe the third i mean it's all been a problem this year but i would love to see him in on that third pair i'm really hoping next year we can get somebody to play with Provorov. sandheim and myers can go back to being sandheim and myers Shane Gostaspare gets a a new chance somewhere. Like I love Shane Gostaspare, and I don't want to see him traded, but I really think he needs to start fresh somewhere at this point. I totally agree, and I hope it's Seattle because I think he will get like the big opportunity to really bounce back over there. Yeah, I agree. It's just a a fresh start for him would be great to see. And then I I don't know what how, how many years does Robert Hagel have left on his contract like anything at this point or it's another year after this him and Braun another year after this because they signed them both for two years when it's going to retired for reasons where do you come down on Braun I, I find opinions on Braun are all over the place when I talk to people generally fine he shouldn't be nowhere near the top pair but if he's if he's your third pair defenseman you're you're a good team I think like he's he's solid. You just can't play up the lineup because then you're in big trouble. Right, right. I, I agree with that. And he really get like, when he plays up the lineup and he's playing too many minutes, that's when you start to see him get blown away a little bit out there. And when he gets blown away, especially when a guy comes over the edge and rushes right to the front of the net or goes right around him, it is like the entire world is in slow motion. But only for Justin Braun. The other players just... <laughs> Zooming right by. <laughs> That's true. Uh, it's uh, it's painful. It is painful. I would love to see them part ways with Braun, Haig, you know, just clean house on the back end a little bit. But I- I'm pretty sure Braun's going to be around for the full length of that contract. Yeah, I think I think Braun will be back, if, if not only because, you know, he's that, that veteran presence guy that they need to kind of have back there. Um, 
the the interesting thing about Zamula playing well is that they're going to look at Cam York next year too. Can you fit both on the defense? If Braun's back, if Sandheim's back, if Myers is back, you add a top pair to play with Provorov, and then what? Mm, that's interesting. Do you think York's that close at this point? I know he's played a couple of Phantom. Has he played a couple of Phantoms games at this point? I think he's played four, and then he was it. Okay, because I he missed the last. I had Maddie on the other week, and he was just about to play, and then they had a bunch of COVID cancellations. Yeah, so. And that's that's how his college career ended too, with the the COVID taking Michigan out. So his first game, he wasn't good. Like he he was even hard on himself. He was like that wasn't that wasn't a good game. But he's definitely been better. And then the most recent game that he apparently got injured in and finished the game, we just didn't notice it. Uh, he did get the goal and two assists. So I don't know. It's it's too too small of a sample size to like really think that. He could make it, but I think he'll be in the race, and that that's good. You know, push these, push these, uh, push these other defensemen out. Yeah, I'm all for that. And so York, upside wise, consider. So I've talked to to Eamon, who's kind of down on York, and Maddie, who's high on York. Where do you come down on York? Closer to Maddie for sure. I don't. I would say he's. I guess my comparison would probably be what we think Ivan Provorov is right now. Like the partner to a one, maybe a very good middle pair. Like that's kind of where I see his like ceiling. At. It might be, you know, but that's, what, do you, what do you think about him? <laughs> see, I, I haven't watched enough to really tell, okay. but I, he, I'm totally fine with his ceiling being in the middle right there. I, I actually think you have a great defensive core right there. If you have a bunch of those middle guys, obviously you still need a top guy, but you know, as long as you don't have these glaring weaknesses, like the Flyers defense in the 2010 cup run has a stacked top four right there where you have Coburn, Carl Pronger, Timonen, obviously not in the order of skill right there, my friends, but that's a stacked top four. And then whoever the guys were on the bottom pairing in 2010, sunk that defense the entire time because those play- guys played like five minutes a night and they were horrible in those five minutes and that was pretty much it like that that sucked it's better to have a consistent thorough uh, defensive core six solid guys if you can and that's hard to get and we've really seen that over the past decade plus of flyers hockey yeah and this might be their chance to do that with a bunch of you know entry-level contracts with you know having the cap space to get out and sign a, like a top-flight defenseman, then you have the Zamulas, the Yorks, to kind of fill that role, you know, with Braun, and assuming you move Haig out, which would be ideal. And, uh, you know, maybe you don't have to go out and play Lucas Krejcik for five minutes and get scored on four times, you know? Oh, my God. Just painful thinking about that. I noticed, I noticed that when you're talking about the defense here, you're talking about the future of the defense, you didn't mention the most key pivotal player, longtime friend of the show, slamming Sammy Morin, Slamuel Morin. Why didn't you mention him? He's the he's obviously the leader of this team, the best player on the defense, just the best flyer ever. There's clearly an oversight. You know, maybe Dougie Hamilton isn't needed. You can just put him with Pervorov, and we're just gonna roll with that. I know I pick on Morin, but like, it, just the way people elevate him, just based on being big, just blows my mind consistently 
he does anything related to being big. He fights, he hits somebody. People lose their mind. And it's exciting. It is exciting to see a big defenseman just throw somebody into the stands. But, like, he's just, he's not Pronger, guys. He's never going to be. And I, I feel like people are still holding on to that. Yeah, I mean, the he, I mean, just think about the last two fights we've had. We have, we've had Travis Sanham and Joel Farabee. Like, what does even happen? I... Th- those were not good fights no. either. They they tried their best. Like Morton's in there, he should be the one doing that. But I mean, I, I guess I guess that lands on Farabee. Like I can't believe we saw a Sandheim fight this year. That's insane. That doesn't make any sense. And Farabee, I mean, Farabee almost makes sense to me. Doesn't quite, but it almost does. But and this is all from the Braden Shen school of fighting, where it's like, well, I'm fighting, but you're not doing it well, guy. No. I'm just going to get punched a few times and go to the box. I think insulting Braden Shen gives me one strike towards being fired by Steph. I think if I throw a Nolan Patrick in here, <laughs> I'm pretty guaranteed to get fired at this point. So uh, it, maybe we'll just avoid that or we can attack it. I don't know. I, I keep going back and forth on his future with the team, frankly, because I, the skill is there, but I just can't. It just doesn't seem like the package is ever going to fully come together, at least in this jersey. No, I, I'm kind of with you there. His future with the team, like, might just not be existent. Like, he's the type of player that I think they'll look to move just for the sake of opening up a roster spot. Even and that sucks to say about a second overall pick, but I think that's kind of where we're at. And I don't even think Seattle. I mean, they might, but I don't even think Seattle would take him at this point. Yeah, there's a few interesting names for Seattle to take there. I'm I'm fascinated to see how this expansion draft works out because, I mean, Patrick could be available. Would Lindblom, Lindblom be an available player? I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, it's possible. They have to, to do Hayes, Giroux, Konechny, Couturier, uh, probably Lawton. Right, because of the contract he just signed? Right. I mean, they'll probably, they'll probably protect him, but... Why did they sign that contract when they did? I still... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still having trouble with that one. Yeah, I do not like that contract at all. The, the cap hit is fine. Like, Lawton is worth $3 million for five years. Right, exactly. Lawton's a good, solid player. I like him as a middle six, bottom six guy. More specifically, I like him bottom six. I, I, I think you only use him middle to top six if you really absolutely have to. And I, I think he does give you some of that, that quote-unquote energy stuff. He had a nice goal tonight. Uh, one of the few highlights for the Flyers in that game. And I I think that was the same exact move he tried to use in the shootout the other night, but it actually worked this time. Yeah, that sounds about right. And that was his first in, I don't even know how many games, it was like 20-something, right? Yeah, something like that. And it was, it might have been 18. Okay, it was, it was close to 20. And <laughs> Right, it was right around there. We can round up at this point. <laughs> it, it, it literally doesn't matter. And... It was the Flyers' first shorthanded handed goal of the year, which is weird considering how much success they had shorthanded last year. Yeah, which which really makes us you know makes an easy segue into what the hell happened to Kevin Hayes. What the hell happened to Kevin Hayes? That's one of the big success stories from last year, and early in the year you could make arguments for for him you know being a a pretty good flyer, but certainly not in the second half of the season. No, I mean. The, the list of flyers that have underperformed is, you know, basically the entire team. But Hayes just looks such like, just looks, I don't even know the word to describe it. He's just not the same guy out there. It's so strange. 
Right, because if you talk about, I don't want to say anybody's phoning it in, but like, <laughs> you, you, you could almost make the argument here. And Kevin Hayes, I like him. I like him, but it's he's just not looked good over, I said the second half of the season, but it really it's been three quarters of the season. I think the first quarter he was putting up numbers and then it's just been downhill from there. Yeah, I agree. Like he was good for two, three weeks, and then it's kind of hmm, not great. And apparently he's injured, which might explain some of this. But boy, it's been a really rough season for Hayes. It has been a rough season for Hayes, and that's a big reason why this team is not where it is. It's not in the same position as it was last year. Is Kevin Hayes was a huge factor on this team last year, and I know. Part of it was he just wasn't having the same success when Sean Couturier was hurt. Because uh, those are big shoes to fill. Couturier plays a boatload of minutes every night. And it's Sean Couturier. It just, his effect on this team, it can't be measured, I don't think. He's just so good. And I am already balking at what that contract's going to be when that comes up. Because Ron Hextall got such a... Ron Hextall's easily best move was getting Sean Couturier on the contract he did. That has been amazing for the Flyers, and it's a shame they couldn't take advantage of that contract being uh, so low. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like they, they they had a gift in such a cheap contract for Couturier because the next one's not going to be anywhere near it, and it's really going to be a, a somewhat of a tough decision to see. Like, are you going to lock someone up like six, seven years who's you know getting close to thirty? Like he's irreplaceable, but getting close to 30 plays hard minutes, really hard minutes. So who's to say how that's going to age that kind of game. It could age. Well, he could age like a, like a Datsuk or somebody like that, but it could also age like Mike Richards where all of a sudden, you know, he's just not playing that well. And then he's out of the league. Right. That That's the fear right there. Like, could it be a Richards situation? You hope it's a Bergeron and that he can just, keep winning selkies into like his late uh his his early 30s but there's a risk there but at the same time if you don't sign Kateria you're sending yourself backwards like so far oh you might as well just scrap it all and become the buffalo sabers for a couple of years yeah in fact get jack eichel for for Sean Kateria at that point throw everything at it to get to get eichel and try to build around him then i just constantly wonder what a shit show it would be with Eichel here if he were to come to Philadelphia with the media here. Oh, God. Just because it wouldn't be as bad as a few years back. Because a few years back, it was really stacked with guys who you could be adversarial with. But, I mean, you still have, like, the Silskis out there. So there there are guys that are going to write some shit about you, like Silski's been doing with Jake Voracek and Claude Giroux for years now. It might be a little, you know little bit of button heads right there but at the same time who knows maybe the, maybe he just needs a fresh start somewhere where he can actually be successful and get support yeah it could happen i mean i think realistically the flyers don't move Kateri. i think they sign him for that long-term deal because they need to you know actually have some sort of success and they need to make use of this kind of win now period as as horrible as the season is this is their win now window oh yeah i think what i've said a couple times this year is that okay i will give them this one last mulligan okay this year i will give them a mulligan but next year really has to be a big year for this team winning they have to come out and 
they got to make some moves and they got to come out on fire and really like play like they're supposed to, or it might be time to burn it all down. And for them to do that, like for me, there's, there's three pieces that I think are the most important going forward. And that's Proverout's play, Hart's play, and it might actually be Hayes play. Like those three have had real tumultuous seasons and they need to be, they need to be the guys for this team. Oh yeah. And having Hayes not play as well is a big factor because the glory of the Hayes signing was you have a legitimate number two center, somebody to actually back up Sean Couturier, keep Claude Giroux from playing those hard center minutes. Because one of the things why Claude Giroux has been able to play better in recent years is the move to wing. It's really helped him a lot, especially on the offensive side. And it's helped the the depth overall, but you know, it's hurt the center depth. So having a Kevin Hayes in there to, to take that spot really has helped a ton. So when he's not playing that well and you don't have that number two center and you don't have that kind of penalty kill relief because he was a good penalty killer last year, but the penalty kill has been a disaster this year. Yeah. And that's a big cap hit too. Like he's not going to go anywhere with the, the no movement clause, but like that's another big contract that right now isn't, you know, we're not feeling too great about it. It's not, it's not the worst in the world, but it's, it's getting question marks. It was one that people were, very iffy on when they signed and then people came back around after he played last year really well and we're like oh we were just being foolish and now it's back to should we be concerned about this contract yeah that, that's definitely been the uh the uh, the kevin hayes narrative it's been eh oh okay he's good and eh, maybe not <laughs> uh, i don't know yeah he, he so he's playing like right now he's playing close to like 15 16 minutes a night uh depending on what you need from him, but I don't know. I feel like we should be getting more out of him. And especially as he's the bridge guy to some of these younger players and he's not going anywhere for a while. Yikes. An, in- an interesting part is if he's, your, he's the two C locked in for a while, like he said, then Lawton seems to be better on the wing. So who, who sits in at three C it's not going to be Nolan Patrick. <laughs> Right. Well, I guess I guess it could be. We'll, we'll say it could be, but it's not going to be. It could be, <laughs> but it, I don't feel good about it at no. this point. Like I, again, I love the skill set. I really love the skill set, and I want him to be good. I want him to work here. It just does not feel like it's going to. I know people are definitely down on this guy for some reason, and I don't fully understand it. They probably because you know these are the people that just hate prospects in general, hate that Ron Hextall method. But like Morgan Frost will be back. And if he can get three C minutes next year, and if Hayes is still struggling, maybe you flip-flop them. I'm fine with that. If that works out, I will be ecstatic, especially as somebody who wants to see Morgan Frost succeed. I I was just devastated when he got injured this year because this could have been a huge opportunity for him. It could have been a chance for a breakout year, cement a spot with the big club like Farabee got, you know, previously. And... I, I can't believe we're talking about Farabee being an everyday NHL or at this point and not Frost. It's it's a shame. I really want to see him come in strong next year. Yeah, that this was his this was a golden opportunity. I think he came up with him when uh, Katuri went down. Yeah, yeah, and he got hurt immediately. Yeah, that's it was such poor timing because if he if he look if, like if he can fill in for Katuri, well, I mean, no one's gonna fill in for Katuri, but you know what I mean. If he can play solid enough in in his opportunity there maybe the flyers don't flounder as much you know in the coming weeks and 
I hate to say everything would change, but there's a possibility everything would have changed. Yeah, this season is such a big what if season. And I mean, you can even look back at, I don't know, I still want to say that when a bunch of guys got COVID on this team, they were just never the same. And I don't know if you're ever going to come up with a proper explanation for why the season has worked out like it has. But regardless, this was a big opportunity for Morgan Frost. And it just is a real damn shame that he missed out on it. And is there anybody else center wise in the pipeline? Because I mean, a few years ago, the joke was always the flyers just take two way centers and that's the whole organization. And I feel like the center depth, uh, as far as the minors go, just is not what it used to be right now. Like that's not really where their, their focus has been in recent years. Yeah, you're right. There, there's Lazinski, who we had a little bit of until he got injured. Um, so I think he, he'll be a candidate again, probably fourth-line center. You know, Bunneman's been up and and down. But outside of them, I'm trying to remember if I'm, I'm trying to think if I'm missing anybody, but there's really not that many center prospects coming besides Frost, Lazinski, and Bunneman. I mean, Rupsov's in the KHL, and he wasn't that great of an AHLer, so I don't know. Yeah. Not feeling great about the germ. No, it's very, very. No, 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 no. <laughs> germ. Now, feel. I just. He's not gonna work out. I have all the the confidence in not being confident in him, and I just. I really need Frost to work out at this point. Uh, very curious to see where they go with the draft and free agency this year there's a lot of question marks right now. They really are on like the precipice right now. So please win next year, guys. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. This is, this will be a massive off season and it's one that Fletcher really needs to make some big changes and they have to work or this is going to get real ugly. It's going to get real ugly real quick because this fan base was already foaming at the mouth when Ron Hextall was fired about making big moves and, People were convinced that Chuck Fletcher was going to make those moves, and he has not. Like, his biggest move was Kevin Hayes. Even his trade deadline acquisitions, I mean, just very modest trades from him whenever he's had the chance. And people assumed it was going to be the the reaction to Ron Hextall. Instead, it was just a, a slight move in the other direction. Very, very slight. And, and look, this is not to say that Chuck Fletcher has done a bad job necessarily so far, but this off season, I think it's going to be the true gauge. Like this has to be his off season. He has to make some bold moves to, and I say bold moves, but I don't mean the ones that people always call for. I don't mean the Patrick line, the Johnny Gaudreau. And that's not to say I don't like those players. I like those players, but those players come at a very high cost, both cap wise. And if you trade trade wise, Gaudreau has to be like a real possibility with, how bad the flame, the, how bad it's gone for the flames this year. You know, maybe there is some kind of trade you can pull there. Gaudreau, Voracek, you know, I, I obviously Philadelphia adds in that scenario. But uh, I think my, like my personal ideal off season additions are Nikolai Ellers and Dougie Hamilton. And is that realistic? No, but it'd be great. <laughs> oh, it'd be so great. Ellers had a dynamite year. Yeah, I mean, after this year, I don't know if Winnipeg would really be willing to move him, but they were reportedly like willing to, even last offseason, they probably should have been in on that. Would have been nice. Would have been a big help, yeah. for sure. Gaudreau's an interesting one in that I... It'd be a great story for five days. 
And I am just convinced this fan base would turn on him very quickly. I mean, his coach turned on him this year where I think there was a game. I want to say it was like right around his birthday or something. And he just had like a very just, I don't even know if you can call it tongue in cheek comment about Gaudreau, but it was just the, this just like, uh, maybe he could wake up for the game or some kind of, some kind of shit, like just, terrible kind of quote it's so it kind of seems like Gaudreau's time in Calgary might be a little limited but who's to say an immensely talented player but I mean Daryl Sutter just coming out and kind of laying it out like that for Gaudreau I don't know the Tortorella method doesn't always work yeah I mean and I don't think uh, Alain Vigneault would be that much different. Like, we see the stuff he says about, you know, like, heart, you know, he has to work harder in practice, his practice habits, this and that. And then even, like, you know, oh, Zamul, I don't know if he's ready, but, you know, we'll see what he does. Like, he's not going to be, like, the the coach to, to, like, yeah, Goudreau, you know, he's not doing great right now, but, you know, we have a lot of faith he'll bounce back. Right, and... I don't even know where to go with some of these Vigneault comments sometimes. Like I know a lot of it is gamesmanship where he's just trying to get guys motivated one way or the other, but, and they're not, they're not quite on Tortorella level because Tortorella level is, I'm astonished that that man has lasted as long as he has in Columbus. I mean, last year he did an amazing job getting whatever he could out of that team because that team, not a ton of talent there. But this year, it seems like the wagons kind of fell, uh, the wheels fell off the wagon on uh, as far as the uh, Tortorella train goes. Wagon, train, I'm throwing all the methods of transportation in there. All the vehicles, they, they've all fallen apart uh, under John Tortorella. Yeah, it, it, Tortorella level is is beyond. But, um, you know, the, the AV can say, like, he, I see what he's trying to do. Like you said, like he's trying to motivate them this way, but... Thing is, it's it's not working. Not, nothing he's done this season has turned this around. He's done a lot from scratch and connect me to send a message to the team. All that did was, you know, connect me came back, played worse. Everything he does, he's done this season. Like last season, he could not do anything wrong. It all worked. It all was perfect. And I, I kind of go back to the trade deadline. Like you, like you said a minute ago, Fletcher's trade deadline was kind of like very boring. He just got Thompson and Grant. I'm convinced that's when this all started going wrong. The trade deadline started all of this. And that's the moment that we took this step backwards. Well, it's what I always used to say about Dave Haxtall is as soon as you give a coach a boring vet or a boring like yes man to throw in there, he'll throw him in there. Because Chris Vandevelde, as much as people want to think Chris Vandevelde is some like miraculous exception to the rule in the NHL and that Dave Haxtell is a monster for favoring him. Every coach has this kind of player that they just think is great at defense because they're respectful and hustle at all times. And, but the guy's not actually good at hockey, but he's good to the coach and the coach likes him. Seems like a stand-up guy and he gets playing time because of it. Uh, Vandevelde, Nate Thompson, guys like that. Maybe even Robert Hay under Hagstall. Ooh, yeah, I, I think you're right there. And Robert Hag, I will say, I'll give Elaine Vigneault this. He's played Robert Hag considerably less than Dave Hagstall did. He loved Robert Hag. Body bag Hag, a real favorite of Dave Hagstall. Yeah, and um, remember when uh, 
Right after he got fired, he went from top pair with uh, with Provorov right down to the bottom pair. Oh yeah, the the all time NHL hits leader Robert Haig. I still want to know where are the hits. Tell me where the hits are. I can't find them. I don't understand this player. Please get rid of him at this point. I he's one of those guys who's been a flyer for a longer time than I would think, and it, it just kind of blows my mind a little bit that he's still hanging around. Yeah, totally. He's you don't keep a third pair defenseman this long. It feels like that's kind of a rarity, right? And it's not like he ever got a raise or anything. He's just just hanging around for pretty much the minimum. Cool, whatever happens, guys. I'm here. <laughs> I found the Daryl Sutter quote on Gaudreau, by the way. Okay. So uh, I'm trying to. Well, I I thought I found it, but it was after his uh, 500th 500th game. Let's see. Never mind. I thought it was written right here, and it's a series of videos, so that's that, that doesn't help me <laughs> on this audio medium. Right oh, here. Okay. I have it, though. It was, hopefully he has more energy than in his 499th game. That's right. That's right. Very snippy yeah. comment right there. <laughs> Probably not the best relationship builder to put out there. I was, I was pretty shocked that the Flames actually brought Sutter in. Oh, I was too. I mean, I know Sutter had a ton of success in L.A., but that was such a... I think they were hoping for a a Barry Trotz with the Capitals kind of thing, right? Where Trotz went in with a more defensive mindset, the Capitals were such an offensive-heavy system, and it worked out. Kind of the chocolate and peanut butter meeting right there. And I think they were hoping all their offensive talent could really, you know, just kind of meld with... Sutter's more defensive conservative style and yeah I don't think it's worked out like that it was less chocolate and peanut butter and more like vinegar and water immediately (laughs) there you go (laughs) I'm just shuddering even thinking of vinegar because it's my my least favorite smell on this planet pretty much (laughs) Elaine Vigneault Daryl Sutter John Tortorella I mean of the three I'll, I'll give Vigneault that he's the best of the three for sure Absolutely. He's not like, we're not talking about Iron Mike Keenan at the end of the day. The closest you get to Iron Mike is probably a John Tortorella. And even him, he's probably nice compared to to Iron Mike back in the day. Yeah, probably. Tortorella, man. I think, I think this is, this has got to be the year for him, right? This has to be. And do, do you think he, do you think this is done? Like, obviously I think he's done with Columbus, but do you think this is done done? Or does some teams say like, yeah, I want that. Oh, that's a good question. I could see another team giving him a shot still, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was KHL for, for old Johnny. Yeah. I mean, wasn't there a rumor that, uh, I don't, I don't remember how substantial it was, but there was something about Babcock having interest too. Let's just make like ass crew 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> Babcock, Tortorella. And you know what? I'll be generous. They can have one of our assistant coaches. Michelle Terrian, come on down. I think you managed to build a coaching staff that I have less faith in than the current one. Hooray. <laughs> I just, like, the, I can't imagine those guys even making it out of a room together without a fist fight, <laughs> let alone yeah. trying to organize a hockey team. I'm still I'm still baffled by this coaching staff and how they've made it this far. I mean, you've still got Ian LaPerriere hanging around. All these years later. Yeah, that that's impressive. I mean, he blocked a shot and it was like, oh, well, I mean, that's, that's minimizing it. He blocked a shot with his face. <laughs> he blocked a shot with his face and became a Flyers coach for life. For life. Lifetime contract. And uh, even when you're not good enough to be on the bench, you're still going to be here. 
Mike Yo, while not having a stellar reputation when he came in, at least last year, the defense and the penalty kill seemed a little better. So last year he had a defense, but this year, abysmal, just as as bad as could be. Yeah, I wonder if this is this is his time here. I would go the other way. I would go Tarion because I think the power the power play had its problems last year, where at least Yo had things not horrendous in his first year, but. I do wonder if how poorly they've played defensively this season that Yeo's the one to go here. Right. And it could go either way, but I, I would love to see them both go, frankly. Uh, Tarion, I mean, that power play, as we were saying earlier, I just, I can't understand why the power play is as bad as it has been because they have the talent. They absolutely have the talent. I at least have enjoyed seeing Wade Allison up there a little bit. I know he, he he's only potted the one goal, but, you know, he's got some spirit. He's, he's a little lively. Somebody's seeing there. How are you feeling about Wade so far? Wade, Wade's been really good, yeah. I mean, any type of excitement we will take for the Flyers this season. And uh, Wade's definitely done that, even when he's not scoring. He's just, he's a presence, and that's it's at least something. Right. He's fun. He's goofy. He actually might be... It's really weird how he keeps getting called like Hartnell 2.0, but it really is living up to the hype with that falling into nets, kind of being a net front presence and of course having that Hartnell type hair. Yeah, he's uh, he's fit that role kind of seamlessly and it's it's kind of weird how that that all worked out. Um, The only weird thing is that they haven't really used his shot on the power play. Like you said, he's been in the net front role. That's not what he's known for. So that's interesting. They're putting him in... So, okay, we just made a great case to file fire Michel Therrien is the fact that they've got a player with a great shot that they're not using in the proper opportunity to use this great shot. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Good job, guys. So they just need to get a, a couple bruising, bruising bodies to just throw in front of the net, hang out there, and let Wade Allison fire away. The number, the number, the number one question for the next power play coach, assuming Therrien goes eventually, which he really should, is number one, Will you not tie Ivan Provorov to the first power play unit? If your answer is yes, oh. I will not tie him to that. You're hired. <laughs> I really like Provy, but I never want to see him on the top power play unit again. I just can't take him up there. It's not a good role for him. It's simply not. I know he scored a bunch of goals, guys, but that's not his spot. It's it's uh it's so surprising, kind of his lack of awareness of the blue line existing. Like he's such a good player. How does that happen where he just constantly pulls it out of the out of the zone? Like he's not even pressured and he does it sometimes. And he's a great skater. Like it doesn't it doesn't line up. No. Well and then Okay, so Provorov's not working out there, right? So why don't you use, I don't know, any of the number of offensive minded defensemen you have on the back end? Shane Gostaspare, Travis Sanheim. You've got guys that you can put in that role, and they just go, oh, it's going to be Provy. It's going to be Provy. Yeah, I mean, assuming Ghost isn't here next year, I mean, I'd like Sanheim to get a shot, but I, I don't love Sanheim as a power play quarterback for that much either. I think the guy... It's never quite clicked like you want it to. Yeah, for some reason. Like, it, just, it should work, and it just hasn't to this point. Maybe, maybe it's the fact that he's been on the second power play unit, and that's been a dumpster fire for the majority of his time here. But, uh, oh my god, forever? Yeah. Wait, I, 
Can you actually remember when the Flyers' second power play unit was good? I cannot. No, no recollection of this at all. Like, maybe 2010. I'd have to go back and look at what the lineups were, but it's it maybe then. The second power play scored a lot last year, didn't they? Like, they might not have been great, but they, they scored. I remember it being an improvement. That was my, my recollection, even though it feels like 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, the guy I think we're all hoping becomes that guy is York. Like... He's, he was such a good power play quarterback in college, and he's getting the chance there at the Phantoms. He's a Mulla could do it too, but I mean, I'm looking at York first. Right. Well, that's supposed to be what York does. Like, when they drafted York, I I remember saying to myself, well, that's it for Shane Goss to spare Philadelphia right there, because they just drafted his replacement. Yeah. Hopefully they actually know how to use York a little bit better than they uh, did with Ghost recently. I... It just feels like such a missed opportunity with him, and I don't know if there's something behind the scenes that hasn't clicked, but for whatever reason, Shane Gostaspare, they just don't use him right. They just can't seem to use him right. It breaks my heart, man, because he, he has to be one of the most talented Flyers defensemen I've ever seen. I think he just moved up in the Flyers defensive rankings, too, for points all time. The, the, the most telling part was when his game was dipping a little bit, and... They decided to fix him with, like I said this already, but they decided to try to fix him with Prosser. And then when that went poorly, it was Ghost is out. That definitely wasn't Nate Prosser. And for all indications, Nate Prosser, super nice guy. But he played one of the worst defensive games I've seen in a a a season with a ton of bad defensive games. And was it him and Gustafson out there in that game, that Islanders game? And they were just... I, th- I think so. Basically fumbling the puck left and right. Yeah, that, that that sounds right. That was that was a nightmare game. Those those two together, that should have never been a thing. I just want to wash the season out of my brain, Eternal Sunshine style. Like, just get in there and make it have never happened. Never again. Never again want to think about this year. <laughs> you know, don't even ask me trivia questions, okay? Like, if somebody's making quizzo questions don't make it about the flyers this year no like this, this is honestly this is worse than 1819 with the eight goal was that was that the eight goal a year yeah i think so like this is worse than that because at least that year you felt like stuff was changing there's clear differences being made now you're just like man what the hell do they do at this point i said to bill matz a few weeks ago that the flyers well i think the two of us determined that the flyers would probably play better if they just didn't even play with a goalie at this point, if they just played with an empty net. And most of their success against the Devils in the last three games has come with the empty net. They're a good team six on five, but don't make them go five on four. It's sad. (laughs) It's really sad. They can't do anything right. We're almost there. Just a few more games, gang, and then we can just talk about future stuff nonstop. Yeah. Close the lid on this one and uh, forget it ever happened. Forget it ever happened. Let's all take a nap. Let's uh, find some new hobbies for a couple months and come back strong. Come back strong. All right. Well, it's always fun talking about these Philadelphia Flyers. And I am going to pass out soon if I don't stop talking about them. So I'm going to wrap up the show, my friends. But it was great having Brad on. If you have any feedback for us, probably the best place is on Twitter. Brad, where can people find you on Twitter? Do not at me on Twitter. I am at Brad Keffer. Brad underscore Keffer. Don't at <laughs> No ads accepted. Don't do it. <laughs> no. They will be denied, ignored, 
and just forever passed upon. I will go Jake Voracek and block you all. No. But yeah, <laughs> Brad underscore Kevin, you know, yell at me. Tell me how wrong I am. Go for it. Do it. Come, come at me. Don't at either of us. Please don't do that. <laughs> Never. If you have something nice, if you have something nice to say, you can at me at Flyperbole or at Estee Bomb, but make it Flyperbole if it's for hockey. Only nice DMs and ats accepted. Mean ones will be thrown in the trash, uh, thrown into the sun, something of those sorts. You can also follow Broad Street Hockey and BSH Radio. Be sure to listen to all of the great podcast offerings on BS on Broad Street Hockey. So many of them, so great. Please check them all out. And that's all we got for you. Thanks so much for listening, folks. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow, wow, wow. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.